بسم الله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله. السلام. My name is Asad. I am your host today. I'm finally back after how many episodes? Three or four episodes. I've been away. Um, I'm here joined and, by. And with that, you've also oh, forgotten oh, how to host. Oh, where's your you Where's your enthusiasm gone? Uh, hello. Okay. And with me is my co-host Abdul Sami Arjumand. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Middle West, Middle West podcast. Okay. And uh, yeah, it feels good to be back, man. I, I was hoping that Asad would welcome me back. Welcome. No, a bit more than that. Assalamu alaikum. We were joined by two very, very nice people. Are you not going to say welcome back home? Uh, we, we'll get to that in a second. Ibrahim. Wow. Minathman. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam. Sister Jawaria. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam. Should we let the guests introduce themselves? You can introduce yourselves. Ibrahim, introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Ibrahim Ben Athman. Uh, I'm 21 years old. I'm a master's student at the University of Liverpool. Uh, I'm studying uh, building information modeling. And alhamdulillah, Brother Jenga called me over to this nice, cool podcast. It's my first podcast, so inshallah it goes well. Don't, don't worry, man. It's my first. If it goes well, you get you a more regular. It's, it's my first podcast as well. Yeah, don't so. worry. Um, Assalamu alaikum. My name is Juraidi Muhammad. I live in Manchester. I'm a pharmacist by profession. Um, and I've also um, been invited by Brother Jangi to attend, be part of this. And this is my first podcast too. Uh, so slightly nervous, but it should be okay, inshallah. No, no need to be nervous. <laughs> but... I would like to get back to the point Abdul Sami said um, Welcome back to the UK Thank you Thank after you After such How many was it, Two, three weeks No it was a month I was, one, oh, I was away for a month That's okay. why you guys Didn't hear me host for a month No that's why No one cared Okay um, But how did you find it Your, your, your uh, little vacation Alhamdulillah So uh, Actually this is the reason Why uh, we have Some of our guests Here as well um, If you're thinking about What the theme And what we're talking about um, If you haven't guessed already did we, did you actually mention why we left? Or why maybe the maybe the listeners and the viewers have although we don't have have read the title. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they've read the title. Oh yeah, I forgot there will be a title. Ibrahim so has been to Hajj. Sister Jubeira has been to Hajj, and Abdul Sami has. Been yeah, so to it's Hajj. my first podcast back from Hajj. Uh, alhamdulillah, uh, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, the podcast of the Hajj. You think I enjoyed the podcast? <clears throat> okay, you had the Hajj. Now, first, I want to I want to I want to say that there's a similarity here between Abdul Sami and Ibrahim. Ibrahim, your father, if I'm not mistaken, owns a Hajj company. company yeah. And Abdul Sami, your father also owns a Hajj company. Can I just say, if Thaqib was here, he would say allegedly. Allegedly, well, yeah, allegedly, because he's got a, he's got an engineering degree and he works with his dad um, in in the Hajj business. Um, on the side, taking. By the way, we're, we're more than similar, in, in, as in it's not just that. What do you mean? We, we both are engineers. Who? Me and Ibrahim. Ibrahim, you engineer? Yeah. Oh, you said civil engineering. Civil engineering, mm-hmm. you know. I graduated, you, you graduated in July. Where did you graduate from? Salford. Salford. Yeah. I'm so sorry. All right, what's wrong with Salford? It's the wrong Salford. Salford's the last uni. It's a good uni when it comes to engineering. Yeah, it's very good. It's a nice Whatever helps you go to sleep. <laughs> but Liverpool, do you live out? To nah, I'm commuting. You commute to Liverpool. Yeah. You're doing an MSc in Liverpool. Yeah, but you commute to in Liverpool. In yeah. it's like from bad I to mean, worse. I mean, it's just three days a week. So Monday, so Tuesday, Thursday, and how long is the commute? Half an hour by train. Oh, nice. And from train station, like, ten Lime, minute walk. Because Liverpool Lime Street, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, Victoria. You're close, anyways. You live in Cheetham Mill. Yeah, Victoria, just yeah. down the road. 
So, uh, I mean, there's a reason why you take the train and you don't drive. Because I'm assuming if you take a car there, it's probably going to get stolen. It's not even that. <laughs> I don't even have a license yet. Do you have a license? Not yet. Allahu Akbar. So yeah, we're similar in the fact that not only are we engineers, but we're both studying our masters. That's another thing. Congratulate me for man. What? Oh yeah, yeah, your masters. I'm doing a masters now. You're doing a master. So he's done. He's done his undergraduate in engineering. And what are you doing your masters in? We can, we can let's go back to the topic of. No, let's go back to the topic. <laughs> you're, of engin- you're doing your undergraduate in engineering, and you you graduated, mashallah. And then then a couple of years went by, and you did nothing, and then you decided. No, it was one year. Okay, and then you did nothing, and then you decided well, to do my public policy. Yeah, Where's I'm taking a in public policy. Where did that decision come from? Uh, do you want the truth? Because it's quite boring. No, the truth. Always the truth. That's you like to be boring then, yeah? Yeah, that's fine. Go on. Uh, basically, the, being very, very honest, and maybe you could actually have a discussion on this maybe, uh, or somehow bring a topic about on this. Um, while I was studying engineering, I took a gap year out and I got a lot involved in a lot of DAO organizations as, as well as kind of, I was involved in student politics as well. And although I love engineering and I love the field, I love the uh, you know the the, the the science of it. Um, I felt like it was it wasn't something that's actually contributing towards society. It's not something where I'm making a difference. And especially when you look at when you look at the lives of engineers over here, as Muslim engineers who are involved in da'wah scene, you see that the only time they can give for da'wah work is like one weekend or a couple of hours a week, helping organizing a conference or organizing a project, which is all good and well. But it's like. I feel like it's not enough and I feel like I wouldn't be happy with that kind of a lifestyle where I'm only giving one hour a week for da'wah or I'm only giving two hours a week and I wanted to make sure that you know whatever I want to do in my life I, 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 I use that for you know to, to contribute towards society to contribute towards uh, the primarily towards you know the health and well-being and uh, of British Muslims and of course wider society and uh, you kind of then also look at, for example, what you're good at, what you're not good at, what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. And uh, I thought, especially on a level of work where, alhamdulillah, we have a lot of Muslims in the field of, of, of grassroots work, engaging with the local youth work and you know youth workers and, and, and youth clubs. And even in the masajid, you have a lot of people who, uh, mashallah, come from background of teaching. A lot of places where there is a very, like under, an underrepresentation of Muslims, if you may say, is within the work of policy. Uh, and we actually had this discussion, I think, uh, uh, a couple of podcasts ago, uh, where there are... By policy, what do you mean by policy? As in, when you look at the rooms where laws are being made, when you look at the rooms where there are, uh, you know, uh, cases being analysed, or we, we, when you look at, uh, you know, even the civil service, for example, where you look at the diversity within them, you see that, you know, there is, even though there is a push recently by the civil service to become more diverse through fast stream, whatever or not, uh, majority of civil servants are just a bunch of white snobs. Um, oh, that's a bit racist, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> I don't think you can say that. I think we have to censor that. But yeah, yeah, I understand what you mean. But it may be due to the fact that a lot of Muslims don't want to get involved in no, civil exactly. service. No, exactly. But I, th- that's which not, is which is but it's I, not necessarily a bad thing. Which is where I come in. Yeah, but it's not it's not a bad thing to say that a Muslim doesn't want to get involved in civil service because they they may hold within their principles that. They shouldn't get involved in civil service, which is fine. But what I'm trying to say is that I I felt in that kind of journey that uh, I wanted to do something where I feel like I'm impacting the lives of of, of Muslims on a, on a mass level, and especially in an area, for example, like let me give an example of of prevent. A lot of people are now you know speaking out against prevent, which again, just brief uh, for those who don't know what prevent is, is basically uh, our uh, counterterrorism policy. When I say our, of course, I'm talking about British government, not not uh, MAB, not UKIM. 
<laughs> making that very you know, clear. Uh, but yeah, so um, when you look at how how that came about, um, when it was initially drafted by by the it was initially introduced under the Labour government, but it was supposed to be something that was community led. Once the Conservatives came into power, they kind of you know set, scrapped that idea. They scrapped all kind of relationships relationships that they had with existing British organi- uh, Muslim organizations and had a very top-down approach towards implementing Prevent and there was pretty much zero consultation involving Muslims. Now, whether it's because uh, they just didn't want to listen to Muslims or whether it was because Muslims didn't push to be involved in that conversation, I personally think that, you know, of course it's a mixture of both, but I think that, you know, uh, from a personal point of view, that it was definitely a point, a, a part of that where there was a lack of push from Muslims to get involved in in, in these policy decisions. And uh, that kind of what's, you know, essentially motivated me to... Um, I don't particularly agree with that. Because the prevent is... It's got, it's, prevent's an interesting example because... If you, any of you want to weigh in... Prevent's an interesting example because the, the policy was driven by, by administration. And it was only given to the Muslim community as to be tampered with after it had been set. So, like, all the policy... <laughs> by the by the, the way, policy had been set in stone and then they'd go to mosques and committees. That's a, you're a very typical lawyer. Well, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. What's happening now? What's happening now is you're, you're you're changing the topic. I'm not changing the topic. There's no topic. Okay, I'm saying that when policy when prevent came in, there was the, they went to the masjids and they said to the masjids, okay, we need you to do this and we give you blah 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 funding, etc. That was the masjids' opportunity to get involved. Yeah, a lot of them said, you know what, I'd, I'd rather not take money on behalf of sacrificing the Muslims' mm-hmm. integrity. Things so are, in terms of things are, I think things are a lot more deeper than that. By the way, but they uh, are much deeper than that. Let's, let's, that's a conversation for another day. Okay. And uh, going back, uh, zooming out, that was oh wow! I feel I feel like I was grilled to another level. <laughs> like taking that that much time out of my life, uh, you know, of the podcast. It's like I said, the what, nine minutes, me? ten minutes. Yeah, I said, do you hate me or something like that? No, did, I, did you miss me? I love you for the sake of Allah. Did, did you miss and, me? And no, I didn't miss you. Actually, I didn't even know you were gone. But um. Back to the topic of Hajj. Okay, <laughs> so we we mentioned that Abdul Sami and Ibrahim they have a they have some kind of mutual uh, interests in Hajj. Yeah. Just before this, we were having a conversation, uh, and uh, we had uh, Sister Joelia over here, who's basically like she was basically zoning out simply because of the fact that we were just talking about like things that only travel agents would talk about with each other, like uh, things to do with, for example, you know, the organization side from Saudi. So talking about the, the Mutawifs, talking about uh, contracts with, with the, the Mu'assasat and that kind of stuff. So I've, again, I've probably lost half the viewers right now. They're thinking, what are these two grand words that these guys are, uh, that I've just said? What the hell well, is it's the mu- definitely interesting though. I, I, did, I, did, I wasn't completely zoning out. I wasn't getting involved because <laughs> I didn't know what to say. But um, it was interesting and definitely educational. Fair enough. So you could share it with the listeners if you. Oh no, if you def- want to. definitely. I mean, I mean, uh, for those people who are thinking, what does mutawif mean and what does uh, what is a muassasa? We're of course gonna, of course, those who speak Arabic know already what these what these mean. But we're gonna go into it a lot more in depth uh, later on. Uh, but yeah, so essentially, we have with us, uh, I guess, two people who've got a background of organizing Hajj uh, and you know, we've got travel agencies and. We're able to maybe you know, talk a bit about the commercialization so, of Hajj. So, Juwedia, you mm. went to Hajj. This is the first time you went, you've been to Hajj. Yes. One can see okay. that I did not know she went with us. She, mean, went, with she went with us, but I, I like, did. Your, your first met her, I didn't know. Like, was she, she, went, she went with the same travel. Same yeah. Yeah. She went with your company and you didn't know? No. 
What's wrong well, with that's you? That's okay. I think we're in different groups. I think he said Apologies. he was um, part of the administration of the first group, um, whereas I was in the latter group. So but it's, it's I'm disappointed. It's okay. I'm not offended. <laughs> but Maybe. I'm disappointed because as a, as a travel agent, you, you you essentially because of the fact that you see everyone's passports beforehand and you see everyone's pictures beforehand because of the visa processing. Again, making that very clear. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure that you wouldn't be the only one doing that, would you? It's so it's usually um, me, my dad, and my sister. Okay. Uh, we all. Well, me and my sister helped my dad, you know, organize passports and everything. But it's just this year, um, I wasn't part of the team. So, I was preparing for graduation and, you know. So, you ousted, okay. Yeah. Nice. Sorry for uh, bringing up any kind of uh, bad feelings that you may have had. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so essentially, uh, as a travel agent, you know, because of the fact that you're exposed to these people's passport photos and visas and stuff every single day uh, for a time period, Eventually there must be times where you just take a picture of someone's photo because it's, it's just hilarious, right? No, <laughs> no, no, some no, people, no, no, no. Because some people are forced to you're take forget, photos. You're forgetting one thing: yeah. GDPR. Uh, GDPR. Oh, yes. okay. GDPR. So, like uh, Pakistanis care about that, or like Muslims care about that. But all right. You sc- I, I love how you scan the room for a second, thinking, "Okay, there are two non-Pakistanis in this room." So, uh, out, out, quickly correct that di- diversity. But I think it's important to note that there are two people who are involved in the administration of Hajj from, from the, from the Hajj's point of view point of view and there's a person who wasn't and the unique perspective was from Juwadia because Juwadia when you went to Hajj you might have seen some things that you didn't agree with that the administ- like the, the, the travel agencies did okay. or that you think you, could, you that could have been, been, been done better um, so I think you should expand upon that because oh, definitely and just before that I think first and foremost I mean how did you find the whole experience uh, yourself so uh, I guess talk about uh, and this, this is an open question to both our guests, by the way, okay. uh, with regards to uh, your first Hajj as well. So, Ibrahim, talk about your first Hajj. But, uh, Joy, if you can talk about, like, you know, how was it? How was, um, how did you find your experience? Uh, how do you feel it's benefited you? And okay. uh, how do you think? Uh, how do you think your life will change after Hajj, basically, or has changed okay. after Hajj because it has been a while now? Okay. Yeah. Right. So. Okay. So um, you've asked me a few questions there. So it was it was fantastic. I really did enjoy it. Um, so obviously, when you, when you talk about Hajj, I think there's sort of two aspects of it, isn't there? There's the spiritual aspects of it. And there's who did you go with? I think for me, the main focus was on the um, spiritual aspect. Something that's what I took away from it. Um, it was it was just amazing. I, I think everybody who's been will tell you it was entirely amazing. Um, alhamdulillah, has my life changed as I've come back? Um, yes and no. Um, no in the sense that obviously you come back to your family and things are exactly as, they've, as, as they are. Um, you come back, you, you sort of come back and you get back into your routine slowly. Did you um, go with the family or by yourself? I went with... Yeah, couldn't go myself. Obviously, I went with there uh, with my father, with my dad. Um, alhamdulillah, it was it was quite good actually because um, we come from a quite a big family, and um, although you see your parents, you don't really get to spend that quality time with them. And I think traveling with my dad gave me that solid quality time with him of like three weeks, uh, which was great because um, obviously you know as you do when you travel, you learn by yourself, you learn by the person that you're traveling with. Um, so it was nice to spend that quality time with my dad. Um, alhamdulillah, it was really good. Um, the first, I think. Um, obviously many highlights um throughout the journey one of the first highlights was um um sort of the first day when we landed and we had to go and do our umrah um just seeing the Kaaba again and alhamdulillah i have been previously but i think every time i go it's just it's just i'm just in awe um as i'm sure you all have been um so yeah it's just amazing alhamdulillah it was just amazing to take time out i'm quite i've got quite a busy schedule so it was, it was nice to take time out to um um 
to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to sort of um, just reassess your life and kind of plan where you want to be in the next few years um, and what trajectory you should take. Um, so yeah, alhamdulillah, it was really good. And along the line, I met fantastic people and obviously I've travelled with um, Ibrahim's, am I allowed to say the company's name? I've travelled with Al Khalil. It's and, a nice little plug Oh, there. okay. No, you can say the name. Am I allowed to say that? You know what I'm going to do? So, so, the, only, the only condition is that yes. Ibrahim, you speak to your father and you just give us a bit of money. Um, oh yeah, for sponsorship, <laughs> sponsorship, yeah, of course. Or, um, or, or the deal is uh, because remember we have exclusivity. You know, only one company is allowed to be mentioned, which is my company. Oh, is yeah, it? but so. no, no, that's not fair because he hasn't given any money so far. So I think Ibrahim, what's the company's name? Uh, Al Khalil. And where is it based? What road is it? Uh, Manchester. You want to mention a contact number as well? Uh, email yeah. address towards the end. I'll towards do the end, no problem. We'll just edit that in. But um, yeah. I want to ask a question regarding the Hajj because I so is how many people do you think attended this year's Hajj? Uh, figures are out, but figures are out every, every like uh, on the day of Arafah they, they get released. So if I'm correct, it's about two million. Yeah, um, I think I read that somewhere. Two, as well. million. two million. So two million a bit. I think two okay. million a bit. Yeah, that's I think two. See, that's why his company is better than yours because he has the exact figures a bit. And you just said Listen, 2 million Very misleading It's a Google search it's, I think it was 2.1 million Okay Now you change it Well okay then I think The year before was about 2.3 million Okay so now he's going to go through all of them Just to prove he has a point but uh, In 2012 Redemption In 2012 it was about 3 million Okay What about 1999 Tw- 2017 was uh, 3 million I think as well Was it? Yeah Inna lillah So 3 million in 2017 And 2 mm. million this year So it's gone long by And a million. we'll talk Why yeah. Why have the Why have why has the number oh, of Hijaj decreased? By the way, by the way this, this conversation cannot get political at all. <laughs> no, of course it But I, I want to say... But, c- because we have to remain PC. Yeah, of course we're PC, the Middle West PC, all the way. Uh, but I think... Uh, and I want to I put this in because uh, people have raised this point with me as well. People who haven't been Hajj who suffer from anxiety. Um, right. So people who haven't been Hajj because they can't be in large crowds or they suffer from um, anxiety due to the stress of having to follow a certain ritual, pinpoint, and if they miss that ritual out, it's just a whole, like, you just, it, like, if, okay, living in London, for example, compared to living in Manchester, living in Manchester, you have, you can go about life in, a, in, a, in an easy pace, an easy pace, which is living why, in London, which is why half of you are uh, unemployed, okay, it says the one who was unemployed just until recent, but okay, <laughs> Uh, so living in London is different because living in London, you you live in a city where you're constantly being pushed by the city to move at their pace. It's a very fast-paced city, okay. along with which, a lot of other capitals. Amazing. A lot, it may be amazing, but a, a lot, a, 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 other capitals are the same as well. Um, people who live in places that are not as busy as London will find it difficult to go to London and kind of adapt to the environment. Um, so that's the same with Hajj, I think, personally. When you... When you're doing Hajj, you have to adapt to the pace of the of of the pilgrim pilgrimage. Um, you can't you can't just slow down, um, especially with you when, when you're with a group. Correct me if I'm wrong. If, when you're with a group, if someone does have problems with walking, etc., you can kind of put some kind I of mean, margin of appreciation there. But in terms of the entire pilgrimage, yeah. if some suffers from anxiety and needs a big break, um, that I think that'll spike the anxiety even more. So. I think there's a problem with people who, who suffer from anxiety with going to doing Amrah or doing Hajj. Um, and I don't think it's been addressed as much as. You I, know. Think, I think. Uh, I understand where you're coming from because in my, in my kind of natural habitat, I guess, I'm a very introverted person. So even though you, you might see me uh, on the streets and I'm like, hey, hi, happy, and whatever, not smile face, 
if 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 I'm in a completely like separate place, then mm-hmm. I'll be I'll kind of revert back to my introvertedness. So uh, I feel like that sometimes on Hajj as well, uh, where I feel like uh, you know there's quite a lot of people, uh, too many crowds. Maybe it's 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 best that I go later on when there's fewer people, and and, and essentially that's kind of part of the solution. Where first and foremost, with regards to the the the, the number of people uh, and the stress of the of the of the, of the rituals. Regarding the stress of the rituals, the best thing always is just to make sure you always you plan your Hajj properly beforehand. Uh, and this is a mistake which a lot of people do uh, before uh, going to Hajj, which is actually preparing for Hajj beforehand. And this applies to Umrah as well, yeah? Of course, it applies for Umrah as well. What are, what are the rituals? Okay. Uh, what are the Faraid? What are the Sun? What are the, the, the Nawafil? Uh, why are we doing these, uh, these rituals and what kind of uh, symbolisms are the, uh, do they kind of imply? I do feel as though that even though someone does prepare for it to the best of the ability and they, they the thing is a vast majority of people don't actually prepare a lot of people and that's the reason why uh, we uh, as travel agents we have to take ulama with us because a number of people like you know literally there are sessions in the hotels where basically people just drop in and ask ulama questions like okay uh, I think I might have done something uh, in the state of ihram which is wrong and then they have to kind of uh, pay a sacrifice uh, you know make an extra qurbani or whatever whatnot. So that's one aspect as in uh, preparation. That the second aspect of it of it is making sure that you you know once you kind of get to know the city, to choose times that where, where it's less crowded. So for example, myself, I would never go to the Haram uh, during the day. Uh, I'd always go after Isha and be done from it after after Fajr, simply because it's the quietest. It's also the most coolest. So what do you do in the Haram? No, as in like for tawaf and chilling, that kind of stuff. Oh, right, chilling. Okay, that's nice. He goes all the way to Hajj for just chilling. <laughs> no, no, as in, as in when you want to relax. It's the kind of person you are, though, Abdus Ami, isn't it? He gets a degree and then um, just, just there's nothing that claims. Or just pay Jamaa from your hotel room. No, it counts anyway, doesn't it? This is quite interesting that you said that preparation. I think that's vital. And it's important that people take individuals with them. We were lucky in the sense that the women's side of things with that Khalid, they invited. Two ladies, two learned ladies who came and sort of gave us talks. And one of the ladies was from the, um, she was a professor at the local university, so the Umar Qura University at Mecca. So that was quite helpful. So she sort of went through the stage, um, you know, there was this long hadith, I don't know from what book, what hadith book it's from. Uh, but she just went through the stage of what the Prophet did, how he did Hajj. Um, and that was, it was definitely quite helpful. Um, so yeah, it's very important that you prepare. And I also think, going back to your question of um, if you have anxiety and what do you do, I think planning ahead. Um, is half of the battle and perhaps picking times to go to the haram where you know it's not going to be that busy so it's interesting that you said that's the routine that we had which is to go in the evening and hang out and then come back after Fajr or maybe after Shuruq um, but what some people would do those who can hack the heat they would go in midday because although the crowds are still big they're not as big as maybe later on after Asr so um, if you wanted to do Tawaf particularly you know where the Kaaba is um the, the ground floor mm. um, then that would be the best time um, but, then, but then again you just have to sort of work with it and I think accepting that there will be large um, groups of people um, helps definitely mm. just interesting thought. because <clears throat> I think that a lot of the time we do kind of neglect um, understanding kind of the, the mental health of a lot of Muslims when, when completing the Farid and mm. the, the Hajj is a very important one because even though it can be kind of you can't supplement your your pilgrimage with um, choosing the right times to go to the Haram or um, planning your journey ahead. But uh, there are some points 
which can't really be. Uh, the other thing, the other thing is, uh, Ibrahim, maybe you can kind of speak up about your group as well. Uh, the way we do it is that, aside from the actual day of Hajj, as in the the, the time we go to Mina, and even in Mina, actually, uh, most times the, the timetable is flexible. It's not like we have uh, certain duruses and certain times, and we have slots where we have the, the like guides and say, okay, we're gonna go do tawaf. Uh, at this time, we're gonna go do our umrah. Mm. At this time, it's, it was like that for us. It was very much flexible. We're like, you guys, you can, you can, you know, you can do whatever you want. Uh, you can, you guys can, you can take my number so that if you want to go, if you want to know when I'm going, then you can come tag along with me. Other than, other than that, you know, because uh, we were staying in Azizia, uh, so like you guys can take a taxi whenever you want. We have our shuttle services that are you know free of charge. You don't, you know, uh, which you can you know uh, take, and these uh, are going at these times. Other than that, basically do whatever do whatever you want, and even in Minan, like aside from the fact that during the travels you stick with us at all times, and yes, there will be long queues for like the buses and whatever whatnot. In the actual tents, yes, we're gonna have a, like after after salah we're gonna have like a couple of talks. Other than that, you can do your own ibadah. There is no kind of obligation to stick with the whole thing for everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ibrahim, uh, how do you guys do it in that sense? Uh, yes, very similar to you guys. Um, so in terms of uh, the transportation from the accommodation to the hotel, to the to the haram. Uh, so we have two packages, uh, a deluxe and an economy. And the economy are quite Marshall far away. More Marketing more deluxe. So the economy is quite far away from the haram. So, I mean, Sister Joiria was in uh, the economy package. Um, and the transportation buses. So the bus leaves, let's say for Fajr Salah, the bus leaves at 2 and 3. Yeah. So a bus leaves at 2 and a bus leaves at 3. What time is Fajr Salah? And Fajr Salah is like half 4, quarter to 5. Okay. So How long does it take to get there then? If it leaves at 2, 15, what time would it long? 10, 10 minutes. 10 minutes. It's not that bad, is yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you go at 2 o'clock, I mean... Walking-wise, how would it take? How long would it take? Walking this is interesting. around half an hour, 40 minutes. Mm. By the way, that's... that's yeah, you, that, uh, that's, the, area, the area that we're in is uh, it's called the Rasifa. Um, so yeah, it's like a, a rural area in Mecca. I had a Hajji who uh, he came on one of the, the, late, the later flights, so he joined us quite late. And uh, he asked me, "Oh, um, how can I get to the Haram? Like, how, how long is it for walking?" Now, from Azizia, uh, because it's quite far, it's literally the, the last district before Mina. It's right next to Mina, which is one other reason why we chose that location because it's easier for the days of Hajj, where the day, where there is a lot of walking involved. Um, from Azizia, uh, there's, there are a couple of tunnels that are underneath some mountains. And if you want to walk it, Google Maps would always tell you to go around the mountains and it wouldn't tell you to go through the tunnels. Mm-hmm. And that route would take you about an hour and 45 minutes. You could be a bit cheeky and just go through the tunnels, which is technically not allowed. Is it car-only tunnels? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. But you know what they man. People just walk anywhere. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and that would take you 45 minutes. So um, my, my guy actually said, you know, so he, he said, how long? I'm like, it's going to take you an hour, uh, hour 45 minutes. Uh, he's like, okay, show me the route. I, I showed him Google Maps. And my guy actually left. Yeah, he's like, I'm like, I'm like, well, there's a taxi right there. You know, 15 yards tops. You'll get, you'll get you there. He's like, no, no, it's okay. I'll walk, I'll walk. I'm like, yeah, but you're going to go to Mina in three days. You're going to be tired. You're going to mm. need to. He's like, no, no, it's fine. And my guy actually went, so mashallah. It's I mean, he's good. preparing for Hajj and all the walking. So I guess... <laughs> Footwear. He, he knows how to, you know, plan it. <laughs> footwear. Properly. So, what do you, people have a different advice when it comes to footwear as well. 
Yes, Clarks. I got myself the cushion steppers. Cushion steppers. They're very comfortable. I, I was getting involved with Crocs. Crocs? Yeah. Oh, my days. It's like this is a used like a style when but, you go to Hajj. But during One Hajj, my- um, Hajj days, I was wearing uh, Gucci sliders. Nike Spurdons, you know. Um, you know you know what yeah I was going to say um, I forgot what I was going to say now uh, I'm oh yeah that's it I remember now I remember now I had a lecturer once said to me the worst thing that ever happened to humanity was Crocs no I find Crocs comfortable I was just going to say that you probably wearing Gucci sliders <laughs> from all that universal credit and unemployment <laughs> benefits and all that the, the worst thing the was the, the worst thing about that by the way is um, my brother bought me a birthday uh, present just for my birthday and he got me um, some I don't know what brand it is but it's some designer uh, chappal so mm. uh, you're half right there mm. did, you, did you take that ahead? yeah oh, did, was it comfortable? yeah of course so mm. there's a misconception that designer clothes are not comfortable because sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Having said but, that, but, having said but, that, but, please go to Primark because they are amazing. Uh, Primark. If you can talk about designers, you have to talk about Primark. Yeah, yeah, Primark is good. It's just the quality of clothes in it. That's what we're talking about. Oh, they're fantastic. I don't but the reason Primark is so cheap is because of labor in it. That's what we've discussed this in a previous podcast, haven't we? Anyway, let's, let's 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 talk about uh, let's get back to uh, oh that's a very let's go back to footwear. <laughs> No, I was gonna say I was gonna say let's get back to the topic, but then that's a very interesting point. Maybe designers are expensive because they they pay their the, the, you know the child laborers a lot more than what Primark do. Yes and no, so it depends. So maybe the ethical decision would be to buy buy designers. Oh, he's just trying to justify using your money now. But. <laughs> anywho, anywho, uh, I'm not rich by the way. Making it very clear. Um, going back to the conversation, which was uh, Hajj. Uh, we were talking about uh, you're answering your question essentially about you know mm. how to kind of go about being uh, flexible um, or how to accommodate for people who find it very uh, anxious who can be very anxious in those situations but um, I guess uh, going back to uh, Joelia going back to you and mm. uh, your experience um, do you think since coming back uh, two questions okay. what was your highlight of Hajj itself and second question would be, uh, how has it impacted you upon your return? Okay, um, highlight of Hajj for me would be Arafah, obviously. Hajj, um, as the hadith of the Prophet, um, Arafah is Hajj. So I think one of the advice, um, so I was asking just the people who've been previously before I went for some advice. And one girl gave me a tip and she said... Um, what people did when she went Hajj was they sort of exerted themselves a lot before Arafah. So by the time Arafah came, they were just exhausted, uh, which is not what you want to do. And I think that that was the advice that obviously the group also gave us, which is just to rest regularly and prepare yourself for Arafah, which is, I'm, I'm glad I listened to them because that's what I did. Uh, and obviously this year we had the added bonus where it just, subhanAllah, the heavens opened and it was just raining, which was amazing. Um, so I definitely, I think after Arafah, I think I, Arafah was like the top of the mountain for me. So it was like, the days were leading up to Arafah and then after Arafah I was like oh I can just not take it too easy but just maybe go a bit easier on myself if I wanted to have a line I'd have a line and mm. so on and so forth um, so definitely Arafah was the highlight and I hope everybody like accepts it from everybody um, um, the your other question was how has it impacted you since returning upon return because you mentioned that it has changed your life going back but it has at the same time yes so it changed my perspective of life I think um and um, so, for instance, may- maybe previously because of my uh, prior to going to Hajj, maybe because of how uh, busy my schedule was, I maybe didn't get a chance to sort of sit down and think, oh, 
you know, as Muslims were encouraged, we're encouraged to sort of, you work for this life, but also you work for the hereafter. And I think maybe the work for the hereafter aspect wasn't as prominent mm. for me. So going on Hajj just sort of realigned things for me in the sense that Allah is important and Allah should be in the center of my sort of world, if you like. Uh, and planning for the hereafter comes hand in hand with that. So um, coming back was a bit of a shock to the system because obviously you, you go and had your experiences of like euphoria and this next level Iman if you like and you come back and like you're back in Manchester and it's like right it's time working three days time mm. um, so um, and then you start hearing the police sirens in the background you just did. like people did <laughs> that was a door that was I just heard it yeah it was a door that was not that was a police siren no it was a door that was a police siren it was a door if it was a police siren it, would, it was distinctly yeah. a I police siren I love how Mancunians are trying to you know play down all these uh, anywho let's, it's anywho. safe this area is safe <laughs> is, it, no, is uh, it because we're in the masjid well, you know, yeah Yes. <laughs> yeah, those, when you're a child, I don't know if this is just in the Pakistani community, but uh, uh, did you ever guys get this thing about it? Basically, apparently there's this rumor thing or this myth kind of thing where if you're inside a mosque, you're always going to be safe from anything and everything. Mm. You're going to be safe from like natural disasters. You'd be safe from uh, from from jinns. You'd be safe from everything. That's the thing though, because if you come to my mosque, local mosque, we've still got cages on the windows. Have you? What's yeah. your local mosque? It's, it's not. It's in Rochdale. It's a local one in Rochdale. Is it El Medina mosque? Is it El Medina one? Huh? El Medina. The, do the branch of UKIM? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, right? Have you been there? Yes, we have Arabic classes there, actually. Is that Ustaz Mayil? Yeah. Medina. Medina, yeah. Ustaz Mayil. Yes, with Ustaz Mayil. The reason the cages are still long, because so the mosque was built... Uh, is it a converted pub? Yeah, it was a converted pub. Ah. But when when it when it was built and it was converted um, into a mosque, um, see, the Muslims, area was Muslims, still... Muslims aren't just converting people. They're also converting buildings. Yeah, pubs especially, man. There's a lot of pubs that are being converted into mosques. But um, especially with Medina Mosque, it, the problem was that the pub was in a heavily um, white, a white area. area. Um, when it, it slowly became more um, multicultural, and then it became more Islamic. then it became more Muslim. The area, mm. um, but we still have cages in the windows because we had a number of robberies this last year. I think it's two, yeah. three robberies. Hey, yeah, stones and stuff like that. Because yeah. you all, you'll always get that. Especially yeah. if you take their pub away from them. <laughs> it's one of them ones, isn't it? <laughs> the love of the liquor. <laughs> but um, I think I want to bring us back to the point Ibrahim said he would expand upon before. Um, just, which just, is, just before that, uh, I want to ask Ibrahim the same kind of question. Uh, how many times I, have you been Hajj? Yeah, how many times have you been Hajj? Uh, four times. Four times. This year was that's a bit greedy, time. though, isn't it? That's that's, that's <laughs> you know. What? I, I guarantee people, every time was in the deluxe package. People, I mean, if, nah, 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 people, people, are, people ask me. People ask me like, how many times have you been Hajj? And my answer is three. And they're like, wow, mashallah, this that. I'm like, okay, guys, whoever has asked me this question and that's listening, Ibrahim has been four times. Okay, so he's been more than me. So <laughs> sometimes, whenever they ask me, I try to be humble and like try to not say four times. Try to say like, yeah, twice. You know, but <laughs> so, so, you, know, lied, so just, you lied. I mean, so you lied, yeah. No, but it's like I, because I, I do, I don't, I don't believe that you didn't spend every time in the looks package because that's ludicrous. Because if you did own the company, then I would spend every time in the looks package. You no, did you? No, you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't feel the. You that's an important. Okay, that's you, an important point. So, um, when were the clock towers, um, the clock tower hotels constructed? Twenty eleven ish. Twenty eleven ish. Okay, um, from then onwards. Um, have you any of your tours been staying in the clock tower? No. no, no, none of them. No, okay. Our our packages. So we don't do any uh, deluxe five star. Uh, although this year we are, um, but most of our pa- all of our packages have always been budget. Okay, I um, advise you with the uh, Infinity Hotel. 
if you're looking. We're, no, we've, we've kind of already uh, speaking to uh, Thingy, uh, Ramada, Dawul Faizan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully we'll get a contract with them very soon. There's a Ramad in Saudi. Huh? The Ramad in Mecca. Yeah, yeah. There's everything there's in Saudi. There's Hilton. Mm-hmm. There's, there's uh, mm-hmm. Pullman. There's... Uh, Dar Tawheed. Well, probably the Saudi. Uh, but of course, uh, no. There's, have you already said Hilton? Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Ramada. There's what's the um, so there's the clock. There's tower. the Meriden as well. The Meriden. The clock tower is it's a it's quite big, but there's a number of hotels in it. Isn't it? So yeah, yeah the, the clock tower. And not just the clock tower. Around it, there are other buildings that okay. are okay. like a typical kind of uh, skyscraper complex. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, instead of offices, it's just full of different hotels uh, and shopping centers. Opinions. Um, so what do you think of it? The effect has had on the whole Hajj experience, because I don't think you've none of you have been before the clock towers were constructed. No, no. I have, no. I have. Been oh, Umrah, Umrah, um, um, yeah. Okay, so you can still, you still understand um, the difference. So, what do you think? How is, how has it affected the whole pilgrimage? I mean, I've. Okay, so I'm going to tell you, like, a be honest, of mine, be honest, a friend of mine, how uh, he went to Hajj in 2018, hmm. and he's. And the group that he went with was Dome Tours, London. Dome, yeah. Dome Tours. Okay, Tours, yes. Yeah. And the, Dome Tours is probably the. It's a big one, isn't it? It's, it's a big one. Yeah. It's really expensive. Like, how much? You probably know more than me. I ten thousand. The packages can get up to ten thousand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the, the the basic package is like six. For one person. Per person, yeah. One person, yeah. They they they're basically. That's crazy, though, isn't it? Oh my god. By the way, having said that, I do know people working for Dome Tours, so I'm not going to say anything bad. Mashallah, they're amazing. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. They can do. They, they're doing good work. Mm. Um, Capitalization of Islam is fine. <laughs> so, the commodification of Hajj. Yeah, well, um, this guy, um, he went with them in 2018, and they stayed in the clock tower. Um, and he said, like, everything was cool. It was good. I really enjoyed it. But there's one thing, which is like the most important thing. He was going for Hajj, but he didn't really feel the taste of Hajj, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. Like everything, it, instead of him um, working, like, you know, walking. I mean, okay, the walking, forget the walking. I mean, like uh, the food, the, you know, the, the how's the, how should I say it now? Uh, when you're in Mina, the, even tents? The, the tents, the the cushions the beds mm. like ah, yeah, yeah. it was not like us it was some next level beds mm. so it's as if like he went to Saudi for like a normal holiday mm. yeah but Hajj like he didn't feel it I think with the clock tower the, the, I think no is that they can pray within their hotel rooms and still well, get the burger uh, praying within the haram here's the thing so isn't that the, yeah so wherever you are even where we were yes. I think you're still part of the province of the haram yeah. so even if you are prayed you still, you still, still your, um, so even in the last even Azizia you're still in the haram but can okay. you hear the imam's voice from from our place no, no. but the no, lady no 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 the, the, so we, we're not talking about following following the jama'ah oh. we're talking about the, the, the reward so you know oh, the, the reward oh, the 10,000 100,000 yeah. I think yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I'm not sure how the because there's various different narrations mm. but essentially speaking uh, let's just say there's X amount of reward in uh, in Masjid al-Aqsa it's 500 I think in 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 Medina it's two x, and okay, okay start with the algebra. This is two x. In Medina it's two x, mm. and uh, in Mecca it's four x. Okay, mm. if that makes sense. E equals okay. mc squared. Yeah, <laughs> but um, uh, so you 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 mentioned the story of a friend, mm-hmm. but that was for Hajj. Now, when you went to Amra before the clock tower was constructed, 
Um, did you go as well? No, no. When okay. I went to Umrah, the clock tower was already constructed. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you didn't go before. I didn't go before. No. Did you go before? Yeah, I have been to Umrah. Uh, I have been to Umrah before. Okay, uh, difference. I think. Because a lot of people told me that it's like yeah. a big overbearing figure over the over the Kaaba. I, I, I think is I'd like to first and foremost the big, the big benefit is that um, you're able to know where the Qibla is wherever you are in, in the city. Mm. <laughs> That's definitely one big uh, yeah. benefit of it. Um, but I mean, I do understand that you know it's created a bit more of a, a tourism side of Saudi Arabia, and uh, generally speaking, you see in a, it's. I think that the clock tower is more of a symbolism of the whole scene. Of, of, of hotel chains and how uh, the country is kind of, you know, all the... Th- so before, uh, when I... So I, I remember my Umrah, it was a long time ago, by the way. I was still a child, but I still remember the surroundings. And um, it was basically like, you know, you, you had on uh, Ibrahim Khalil Road, for example, you had so many, which is basically like a five-minute walk from, from the Haram floor at that time. You had a lot of three-star hotels, two-star hotels, and it was very nice, very simple... Um, everyone was friendly Mecca was a very friendly place as well at that time uh, you, you, you didn't have many people ripping you off uh, like you have now mm. and um, that's the thing now, uh, when, you, when you go to Saudi now uh, I don't know if it's ever since the clock tower or just generally speaking because of this whole phase uh, or the, the shift of, of attitude now it's become a lot more commercialized and uh, you have those same hotels have all been demolished and part of it has been because of the expansion of the haram but also uh, including within the expansion of the Haram is the building of five star hotels, um, and a, a lot of hotel chains have you know uh, essentially speaking it's the same kind of thing where local businesses have been uh, taken out and they, they've been replaced by supermarkets. So you, you have these big hotel chains that like you have Hilton, uh, you have like you know Darul Iman who've got a couple of uh, hotel chains around there as well. And have you seen Ramada. the Five Guys? I oh, got Five Guys there as well. Yeah, there's a Five Guys there, but I, I didn't have it. Uh, I was having a, a funny story actually. Uh, I was in the clock tower having some breakfast. I may, I may have been having a Hardee's for breakfast. Um, so apologies about that. I don't know what Hardee's is. What's Hardee's? Oh Hardee's. no, you don't know what Hardee's is. No way. You don't know what Hardee's is. You you've been to. Don't. Okay, but, but sorry. For, <laughs> for those people who don't know what Hardee's is, it's basically just like another. Uh, it's like another McDonald's Burger King, or Burger King yeah. but, okay. but it's better uh, It's American of course But it's just okay. not in the UK okay. Is it American or is it Canadian? Uh, I don't think it's American It's American Anywho um, So uh, funny story was I'm having my, uh, I'm having my breakfast And then uh, So you're having like The equivalent of Burger King for breakfast Everybody has that It's fine Because okay. um, that Around when we're in Hajj What time do you wake up? Like just before though, like twelve. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and as you go to sleep after Fajr, and that's that's yeah. your kind of day schedule. And you, you're, uh, anywho, so after Fajr, I'm having breakfast. Um, and then, uh, wait, you go? You're having Fajr after breakfast? No, no, no. So, no, so you, no, no, sorry, I said, I said breakfast, breakfast after Fajr. Yeah. So I'm having breakfast after Fajr. But you're having Hardies because he just said the reason they have Hardies uh, is because it's late in the day you wake up. Yeah. But he's having it at Fajr time. Really. <laughs> oh, okay. Then I think we oh, listen, listen. something. There. Anywho, anywho. So I'm having uh, my, my breakfast, and uh, I'm sitting on the bench, and behind me, I can sit, I can hear some American accents, and you know, Americans, mashallah, they're very loud and very enthusiastic people. So I'm like thinking, oh, cool, Americans behind me, no problem. And then I, I finish my drink, and I'm still, I've still got a lot of food. I'm like, damn, I'm, I'm thirsty. Let me go get up. So I get up here yeah, and getting my drink, and uh, as I'm coming back, I happen to see who the Americans were. Turned out to be uh, Amr Suleiman. Okay. No, no way. way. 
I'm like completely starstruck. I'm like, what do I do? Do I go up to him? Like, oh, mashallah, you're doing some amazing work. I completely support you. Because he's one of the very few ulama who are genuinely like, you know, qa'inan bilqist, people who are standing up towards justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you see a lot of the work he's doing, something should have like a start to study. Are they though? That's the real Anywho, question. Anywho. <laughs> uh, don't want to go into controversy, do you? You, you, all, you like know, to avoid we, it. We all know your, your tendencies. Uh, <laughs> No, but generally speaking, I'm like, what do I do? Is, do, I, do I ask him for a picture? Do I just do this? Or, 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 or maybe it's... That really sums up like these, this, the real, real capitalism of Hajj, isn't That's it? <laughs> he's having breakfast, Hardy's after Fajr in the Clock Tower Hotel mm-hmm. and he sees Omar Suleiman, he wants to ask yeah. for a selfie. No, that's, that's the thing. Then, 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 then my British friends comes out, which is that, you know, I should be polite and, you know, this guy probably receives these kind of things mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. Let me just not say anything and just, you know, maybe do half for him since he's there, you know, since I remembered uh, uh, you know, him, of course, and mm-hmm. just leave him be, basically. Basically, mm. and uh, so the closest thing to a selfie is I just kind of did an Insta story where I just typed, "Yeah, guys, I know uh, you guys would probably wouldn't believe me, but uh, yeah, I'm um, yeah, I'm having breakfast right really behind really? Uh, Imam Musaliman." Fangirling over Imam Musaliman, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I seen uh, Muhammad Hijab this. Uh, oh, did you? Mashallah. Uh, this uh, Hajj as well. Mm. Do you see how big he is? Mashallah. Mm. <laughs> this guy, Mashallah, Tabarakallah. Like, um, and for some reason, I walked past him like. I seen him from far and he was walking towards me and I'm walking <laughs> opposite like or? like literally I didn't know what to say like uh, I just walked past him like I was like <laughs> I was shocked I was like what is that again? so Muhammad Hijab is someone so he studies at SOAS uh, which is in London of course uh, and London is the best city in the world and uh I'm from London, of course, and uh, you're going to convince oh us of that one day. Legit. You know that <laughs> this guy cannot have one sentence without mentioning London. Yeah. Anywho, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, Muhammad Hijab walks past, and he's with a, a, a sheikh. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to mention his name because he's he, he likes to be quite quiet, but he's quite famous in London. And whoever is in London right now listening probably knows who I'm talking about. Um, and uh, so this sheikh is leaving, and I'm like, "Oh, Samaikum Sheikh, how are you? This that long time no see." And then, so Muhammad Hijab is accompanying the sheikh. And then I happened to say, you know, say salam to Muhammad Hijab. And that's when it kind of dawned upon me how huge this guy is. I'm by the I'm just for reference here, yeah, I'm six feet, guys. No, you're not. I'm six foot. You are not six foot. I'm six foot. You are not six foot because I'm, I'm five eleven. I'm, I'm taller than you. You're not though. I'm taller than you. Are you? Yeah. Mm, I don't believe Anywho, that. Anywho, I'm six foot, yeah. And this guy is towering above me. Like, I felt like a, a child. Um, which kind of thought, uh, that's when I realized this is why this guy's at Speaker's Corner, man. This guy's able to dominate and tower over all these people's... Uh, but is that the purpose of Dara, to dominate and tower over people? Let's not get carried away. You know, we've got a conversation. Well, you just literally brought the point up and I bring a point up. Oh, let's not get carried away. Let's bring up the conversation. <laughs> but that's because bringing Ibra- it back to the conversation... That's because Ibrahim took us away from the conversation. No, but bringing this back to Ibrahim, Bringing this back to Ibrahim, <laughs> you mentioned before, and I, I really want to get to this point because it's an interesting point um, about the... Th- the one million decline in Hajj, or from was it 2017? You said, yeah, two years. So two years later, we have one million people who have um, kind of dropped off the average. Mm-hmm. So you said there's a reason for that, though. Yeah. So, um, so with not juicy with, gossip with the new laws that's you know taking place now uh, with the new you know I don't want to go into politics, but the new government. Mm. Um, so that. So those that have performed Hajj already, and they want to perform Hajj again, they need to pay uh, four hundred and fifty pounds. Two thousand riyals. Yeah. Two thousand riyals. So that's four hundred fifty pounds, I think, or four hundred pounds. Um, and also, so for each country, 
let's say Libya. I'm mm-hmm. from Libya. Uh, Libya, uh, there's six million people. So for every the million, six million people in Libya, yes, the the, the, the total population of Libya is six million people. Yeah, you yeah. joke. That's not. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's small it's impossible. It's tiny though. Isn't it? Have you seen the map? It's huge. huge, yeah, bro. The, the, there's only one country in, the, in in North Africa which is actually massively populated, and that's Egypt. Mm. Egypt have hundred million, hundred right? million people. Exactly. Yeah. You think like uh, how? And that, so, uh, we look at people, by the way. So uh, in government so you, figures, I, I, you don't have flats in Libya, do you? <laughs> no, I would assume they don't have flats in Libya. Not really. No. There's so much space. You have to build like a. You, 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 you reminded me of a joke about you know. But we have a big uh, Sahara in it. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. But people don't live in there, do they? No. I mean, some. some yeah. like the Bedouins. Yeah. Mm. The, Berbers. the Berbers. The Berbers. That's the ethnicity. Yeah. But uh, no, you, when you said Raflas, you're surrounding me with the, you know, the typical Egyptian joke. Uh, uh. Oh, don't tell a joke, though, because <laughs> no one's going to laugh at your joke. No, so, you know, uh, Saidi jokes. Um, are you familiar with them? I, I know them, but I don't, yeah. I don't know. So, uh, Saidi goes to the UK. Uh, okay, for the, for, for the listeners, who is Saidi? Oh no, it's just basically. So there's an area in Egypt called uh, uh, Saidi, which basically mm-hmm. is like a, it's the equivalent of blonde jokes. Basically, um, okay, uh, it's like you have uh, in Liverpool, you have the Scouse, so mm-hmm. they're like the Saidi is like in all oh, the Welshmen, like uh, and women, of course, as in people from Wales, because they're okay, all farmers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you get the gist, basically. People who are not necessarily the most brightest of people. Okay. Um, uh, so basically, uh, you know, which is why I equated it to, to, to blonde jokes. So um, you know, Saeed goes to uh, the UK and he sees pointed houses uh, with roof, as in houses with pointed rooftops. Mm. So then, uh, genius moment, he goes back to Egypt and he builds one. And uh, but I might be saying this joke very badly wrong because I think it is wrong now. Now that I think about yeah, it. Go on. They're like, uh, why, why, why are you building this house like that for? How the hell are you? Is your brother going to build a fountain? Mm. Oh he, okay. yeah, because people are having a go at him saying, "Why are you building a fire roof? Like you know, it's not gonna work." <laughs> so it's yeah, a very yeah. bad joke. Sorry, guys. Mm. Uh, but going back to um, yeah, um, so six million. So every million, uh, they give out one thousand visas. So for every million, so from Libya, six thousand hajj go to hajj. So let's say Egypt, hundred million. So for every million thousand visas, uh, so, so that's going to be a hundred thousand. So mm. hundred thousand Egyptians go to Hajj. It's yeah. not really a smart system. So though, essentially speaking, the first and foremost, you have the cap. <clears throat> so uh, for each country, there's a cap. Uh, and I don't blame them at the same time because I mean, with the things that are happening right now, the expansion and uh, um, the limited space that they have. Right. I mean, because uh, how, how can by you, the way, you, have, how to can also, you, say... you have to also remember what happened that year. Hmm? The, that year, what happened? Which year? 20, was it 2017, right? 3 million. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. So the stampede. The, the, no, the, the crane. Oh, the cranes. Uh, Did it happen in 2017 or 2015? It was in Ramadan, right? No, no, this happened during Hajj. Oh, the... The, the crane. In uh, min- no, no, no. The, the crane didn't happen during Hajj. It happened during Hajj. No, no, it didn't. The stampede happened during Hajj. The stampede happened during Hajj. SubhanAllah, no. The crane happened... Um, it occurred in 2015, 2016. And it was, in, it was during like Ramadan or before Ramadan, something like that. Okay, okay. Yeah. But anywho, um, so because uh, th- I remember, uh, remember the. Can I just say, yeah, the, you should have seen Ibrahim right now, yeah. I remember <laughs> his, <laughs> his index finger was yeah, out. Sorry, um, sorry. Here's the card, but, and remember when they used, they had that the white Makeshift. thing. Yeah, 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 the 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 the, the, yeah. the, uh, yeah. the, the rings. But yeah. I remember them removing it before yeah. Hajj. 
yeah. took it off. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, that was because uh, a lot of people weren't, you know, huge fans of it. Uh, so it didn't look nice. It looked quite. It, you know, it did look nice, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. someone said uh, even uh, you know, the Turkish government eventually complained or something like that. And that's something got rid of it. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's true or not. Anywho, but yeah, so uh, I think one one aspect of it is because of the fact that first and foremost, it's capped in terms of the number of people who can go mm-hmm. Hajj in the first place, and I guess that's po- probably explainable because of the stampedes that usually happen. Um, it also is explainable because of the the, the, the fees that are being now uh, associated to going on Hajj. That's uh, your fault, though, isn't it? Not like you personally, but the organisation. So people bl- people will blame because um, they're buying the tickets from you. So what? Where do these? Where does the money go? So how much? How much does your economy package cost? Uh, so the economy costs four thousand and eight hundred. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So where does that money go? What is it used for? He's, so you have flights. Okay, how much of them? Uh, so the flight, the ticket uh, by itself is around th- 1,000 something. Okay. Um, and then you have, uh, uh, so the, you know, the service in in Saudi Arabia. Service? Services as in like the food that we provide for the Hajj. Okay, so the travel and the, tra- okay. the, you know. Uh, so was, to, this was to hire buses. This was formerly uh, known, known as, and I think some travel agents still use this term. It's called the Hajj draft. Mm-hmm. So the Hajj draft is basically essentially the contract that you have with the Mu'assasa. Um, and that's where a lot of the money goes to. So that, that contract that you have, uh, essentially speaking, yeah, let's just say that you're organizing a camp in, in, in a, a scout center, okay? Now, uh, they'll give it an initial fee for it. And then they'll say, okay, look, you can also have these add ons. To make your stay more luxury, you can choose to have uh, beds instead of the the, the the tents. You can choose to have nice pillows. For even a five star uh, five star package would include um, Egyptian silk kind of pillows, whatever, whatnot. Uh, also, is another add on uh, are the uh, you know you can have food that's cooked for us. Uh, we have our own you know five star chefs that are doing these things um, and all these kind of add ons. Okay, so they're the services. So you spend, so, that, so you get the flights and you get the services. What, mm. Anything else? So, and these services cost a lot. How much? I don't know how much exactly, the exact figure, but... From, a, from, a, from the economy package, how much would you, would you say is dedicated to the services? Services. Per Hajj? Yeah. Per Hajj around... Help me out on this one. I'm not sure. Uh, around two, two thousand? Two thousand, okay. About, so, about, about that much. Okay, yeah. so where's the existing two thousand pound going then for the economy? Because I'd, I'd, I'd assume that mm. the economy package would have these silk pillows and the private chef, etc., mm. etc. Juelia. Did you have a private chef? <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was an example you know, I was the using. Food, the food was very nice. Um, so, I, I, I mean, the only sort of advantage that the other package had was the fact that they could walk from their hotel to the Haram. Yeah. Um, whereas everything else was pretty How much was the, the deluxe package? Uh, deluxe, um, so... It was six something, six, six ten, six, six twenty, yeah, something no, like that. Six. So if if you're going with your wife, let's say, and you want a double bed, is it? Uh, so it's six six uh, six thousand six hundred. Okay, so you're paying eighteen hundred pound more for a double bed, close to the haram. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, a bit, uh, is that the cost of the hotel will charge you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So no, no. This is the cost, uh, like our company. Okay, your company. Yeah. Okay. So for the whole thing, not not just the hotel. So six thousand six hundred for everything, including the hotel. Yeah, 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 yeah. So going back to the the your initial question about 
what's kind of included in 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 the, in the deal. So about a thousand pounds roughly goes into the flight tickets. About two thousand pounds goes into the like I said the, the hajraf, which is your contract with the with the masjid. And that's all going to go into I think a lot more in a bit. Then of course you have the the the, the, the visa fees, um, which depends upon an individual because it can be considerably higher. Uh, if it's uh, a person who's a, 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 a repeat uh, Hajj, so uh, there's a, there was a thing where within five years, if you've gone Hajj more than once, you know, you're, you're charged an additional two thousand riyals, uh, which is what the fee, uh, which uh, five hundred yeah, extra okay. to what would be about maybe about two hundred pound for the visa, okay. and then uh, other costs would be uh, so that how, what's math now? Let's take let's take more the two thousand the two thousand riyals. So that's one thousand the flight uh, flights three thousand so far three thousand and then three thousand uh, two hundred on the visa uh, and then the hotels uh, your accommodation that can be about like sometimes another thousand pounds up to a thousand pounds. But keeping it cheap, uh, maybe about six hundred or seven hundred maybe. Uh, so what's the math now? It's about three thousand eight hundred, three thousand nine hundred. Mm. Um, what else is there left? Um, just trying to think of things and I'm just thinking as well. Because <laughs> I'm working on my dad's poster for this year's mm, hatch. What else? What else do we charge him for? <laughs> the, Can I ask? The shuttle buses. Yeah. Um, well, we. Yeah. You know the visas. Kind of. You know how yeah. you said the five. You have like that five year period. If you go again, you have to pay. Does that count for for yourselves as well? Yes. You, you go every year, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Also, that that amount's mm-hmm. expensive, then, doesn't yeah, yeah. it? Yeah. If you have of course. Than, oh, wow. So uh, yeah. So uh, I have to pay two thousand riyals uh, more. Uh, okay. However, there's this guy. Um, he went to ha- and on Hajj with us in 2016. Mm-hmm. My first Hajj was in 2016, um, and he came again with us this year. Mm-hmm. So he didn't perform Hajj in 2017-18, and obviously um, he didn't know that you have to pay two thousand riyals because mm-hmm. uh, he came again. They pay it to you, don't they? Don't pay it to the authorities. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's all to the, through the agent. <clears throat> yeah. Through the agent. Okay. Um, so what happened when he arrived to the Jeddah airport and he was going through the customs um, so the guy as he's stamping his passport and he put his name through the system the police officer found out that this guy has been to Hajj in 2016 so it hasn't been more than five years Mm. so he looked at him and he said to him hey um, you've been to Hajj 2016 and you came again now uh, and I'm meant to be charging you right now but so what he did, he closed the passport, he gave it to him and he goes, no one's going to, you know, uh, but, not allow you go to to God's yeah. house. So he gave it to him and, he's, and he let him off. Yeah, but... but you that's just, very, that's very just, unusual. The, the reason nice. why is because when, you, when you're... when you're, You know the system that you use when you uh, apply for the visa? Uh, you usually should tell you uh, because from, from, the, from their side... Uh, it comes up as, as a repeat uh, hajj or mu'tamir. Mm-hmm. So... Like from your systems, did anything pop up? Like, uh, I don't know. That's the thing. Um, I'm pretty sure my dad did speak to him. I don't know. I don't know what was the. But you just said thing. that. You just said that the um, the charge goes through the agency. So why is he asking for the money? The no, 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 no. Isn't that you? You, you pay the agent. Mm. So, so and the agent will pay the government or the, the muassasa. Uh, the thing is, I don't know. Even the guy, I don't think he even mentioned to my dad. Probably he forgot to mention to him, or but, even my dad forgot that this guy went. But that's the thing. It, regardless, even if you don't mention it, mm. uh, when you apply for the visa, it comes up. Mm. Uh, so we had this one person, 
and but there's, there was there were slight kind of trickeries to this rule. So, for example, if you if before if you were uh, a mahram of someone, then they'd waive that fee. But now it's no longer the case. So this one person tried to be a bit cheeky by by, by going with us. He didn't tell us anything about that, and he thought he I don't know if he if he thought he'd get away with it. So when we uh, processed his visa, uh, you know, on the system, it you know came up as uh, as a repeat uh, hajj. hajj, and. Uh, because you know how the, the, so just to kind of give an idea of how it works for visas is like it's like prepaid stuff so you have to put money into the account first and then only then can the visas be processed so uh, we, you know 2,000 riyals we, we could see was, was taken out and we could see that you know it's because of this this, this person here so regardless you know I don't know, this is a very, a very unusual case, but I'm thinking, you know, what well, that's going on. Hmm. But going back to uh, the issue of the cost of Hajj, because I think that's a lot, of, you know, uh, a lot of people are kind of asking, why does Hajj cost uh, cost so much, and hmm. uh, what are the what are the issues? Um, because when I was growing up, like Hajj used to be two thousand pounds, uh, or even a thousand five hundred or one thousand eight hundred. Yeah. I remember when I was a child distributing some leaflets from my father, like our Hajj packages would be eighteen hundred pound. Hmm. Oh. Um, yeah, and Umrah would be six, seven hundred pounds. Now we're looking at Umrah being almost eighteen hundred pounds, depending on what season you go on. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of that is, uh, uh, as I mentioned, so going to the flight situation. Flights are always going to be expensive for Hajj. Uh, airlines know that this is the time where they're going to milk it. Um, the other thing is your uh, your Hajj draft, which is the contract. Now, the difference between an economy package, for example, and a five star package, uh, usually is within this specific thing, which is two things which is the hotels and the contract now like I said they are the services that has been provided by the Ministry of Hajj or you can kind of get another service through a private company like transport and uh, it has to still be on the contract of the, with the ministry that you're, it's, you're, you're through the ministry you're going to a private company for, so uh, the example being that if, 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 I, if I want for transport I can either use Ministry of Hajj's buses which is usually crap uh, or I can get get, get get my own through the permission and get this you know the seal done Sorry, and everything. Yeah. So, a basic package would probably get all the basic options. So, for example, using a basic tent in Mina, having the 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 the, the, the Saudi coaches uh, as in the Ministry of Hajj's coaches, um, not opting in for food, uh, so, that kind of stuff. So, a question to both use: What do you make? So from if you're going to be spending all this money so, on the services, the thing, et cetera, so, get, et so I'll get onto that actually regarding that. So uh, some most you know most economy economy packages are like that, or they they, they they might add in a few extras. So for example, transport. I think for transport, most people do add in as a private transport because uh, you know sometimes the Saudi transport doesn't even come with the with AC. And if you're going to make that journey from Makkah to Medina, then you want at least AC. Um, mm. So uh, there are some add-ons that uh, economy packages go for. Then you look at the, uh, the the five star packages, and they go in. They go all in. They make sure they go for five star tents. They go for in Mina and Arafat. They go for um, uh, the, the the trains uh, from from Mecca to Medina. Uh, so rather than going to Mecca to Medina by uh, by bus, they opt in to go through the train, uh, which is you know would cost a lot more money. Um, also to the fact that. Uh, Someone told me this uh, A person who used to work For a, a famous company Hatch company I'm not going to name them That they actually kept a, a separate amount In their budget For bribe In the sense that Basically What happens is uh, Saudis are very lazy In working That's a fact 
uh, I'm sorry, Thaqib, uh, you're not here, but uh, you know, let's be factual. Um, you know, Saudis are very lazy. I think he accepts uh, that, doesn't he? Yeah, that's true. That's um, just, which is why he's here, he's so working. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> but uh, so the way to get things done quickly is either by carrying on, you know, uh, shouting at them, or by paying them money. Do now, they accept the bribes easily, or do you have yes. to force them to accept it? So here's the thing: Hajj has changed by the a lot. Uh, I've been three times, and I've been, what, 2012, 2017, and 2019. And each time I've gone, things have gone so much better. Alhamdulillah. Uh, for example, the waiting times. Hmm. Uh, at the moment you arrive in Hajj Terminal in Jeddah, um, I mean, how long did you guys have to wait oh, for? Oh, we were like swift in and out. Exactly. Literally. And that was the thing that people would tell you. They'd be like, have plenty of patience for the Medin Tajaj, but mm. it was in and out. What about your, your first Hajj? How long did you wait? Uh, so, first Hajj, 2016. I don't know, like an hour, two. So my this, this is like before we get into the custom area. When exa- you take it, our passport. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, yeah. As soon as you get off the plane, you're in that yeah, room. Yeah, like uh, we were in the room for like an hour, yeah, an hour and a half. Exactly. And my first Hajj, it was like about two hours over there. And then another three hours or so waiting for the bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, because essentially, uh, but alhamdulillah, this year everything was done swiftly. Uh, as soon mm-hmm. as you as we landed, everything happened. We were out of the airport within uh, ten minutes, and within twenty minutes, we were on the bus. Uh, because the reason why was because our judge wanted to pray the Lord. Uh, mm-hmm. The bus was available before you know before that. Um, anywho, um, so that wait beforehand. So back in twenty twelve, you uh, bribed them. Uh, I you know, five star companies. Would keep in a, 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 a budget so that they don't make sure that they hujjahs don't experience that three hour wait for the buses, and just bribe the people to make sure that they just so that sh- that's that, just not right. But that would show that the wait for the buses is it's not necessary. Then would it? So what? what that's the thing. So this is one big thing about having sabr. Uh, but but things have changed. I'm talking about uh, one other reason why it did cost more and why it does cost more in other areas. Now uh, things now, for example, in Medina. Um, uh, Ibrahim, uh, were you at the Adila office to uh, do this, to sort out the passports in Medina? Uh, no, no, no. My dad and another okay. group leader went. To uh, do okay, that. Yeah. Um That way, especially when uh, there are other people who are leaving around, the, as in other ages that are leaving uh, at the same time as you, mm. uh, as in their flight departures or similar, it takes a long time. And sometimes the, the, the people who are, who are over there, they don't speak a word of English, they don't <laughs> even speak a word of. Uh, Urdu, uh. Urdu, exactly, whatever yeah. or not. So mm. uh, it's just Arabic, it's just Arabic. Uh, and um, a lot of agents just, you know, end up waiting for hours and hours. Mm. I, I was once there for about you know six hours, and the person there was another agent that was there for what, fourteen hours. Um, it was crazy. Wow. Now, like I said, some five star companies avoid this, these kind of waiting times for processes and procedures by bribing. Um, okay. so that's one other. Uh, thing I don't. I hope that this practice is no longer in place. But this was definitely done before. Before mm. everything became more efficient. Yeah, yeah. Before Saudi started becoming a bit more cleverer mm. um, with, with with processes. But um, essentially, uh, adding up all these costs, for example, uh, a Hajj company would probably be. And by the way, uh, moving on to hotels now. And by the way, feel free to interrupt me. Uh, I just mm. realized I've been speaking for a while. Okay. Then you move on to the hotels, and hotels are now really, really expensive. And this has uh, this is because of one thing, where MBS when he came into power he started intru- introducing a lot of taxes. There are now there's something called VAT uh, in Saudi. Of course, I know there's VAT in the UK and mm. in most countries. Um, there's also taxes for other kind of things. Uh, the iqama, 
which is the license, I guess, that mm. uh, foreign uh, employees need. That's also been risen. Um, there also has to be. Uh, there's also taxes upon people who are living in Saudi, who are non-Saudi residents, basically. What is is it an income tax or no? Just a tax per person per family member that you have. So if I have an Iqama, yeah, you mentioned this earlier, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you saying? Like uh, so per family member. So let's say you have seven kids. Hmm. So every per head, there's a certain. So, so it's, it's, it's the complete opposite of child uh, it benefit. Is. Instead yeah. of That's the what he said as well. You. Yeah, they yeah. turned this to someone and said, it's like, how many kids do you have? Right, this is how much you're paying. Mm. Yeah. Is that Crazy. annually? Or? Uh, probably, yeah. yeah. Annually, annually, yeah. How, do you know how much the figure is per child? I'm not really. I don't know. know. But uh, what I do know is it's enough so that a lot of. Because the thing is, uh, a lot of agents have people who are, over, who are based in Saudi who work, and often or not, these are people who are, especially for the Pakistani uh, or Bangladeshi kind of uh, community, the people of that background, people who are Bangladeshi or Pakistani, or even from uh, like Myanmar or something like that, people from that background. Southeast uh, Asia. Are, yeah. Are, yeah, South Asia, East yeah. Asia, who are basically who are in Saudi who are working. And um, so one of, one of our guys was saying us that you know, he's starting to send his family back home now. Most of his family are back in Myanmar. And of course, over the conditions are quite bad uh, mm. as it is, and uh, he, you know, uh, he, he just can't afford to uh, you know uh, have them living over here. He, he'll be here because of work, and he sent everyone back home. And some people, some that employers are also leaving uh, that, that to would go be, back home. That would be the case for manual laborers who come to Saudi Arabia for work. Now, but in terms of expats from the West, I think it'd be. I think that wouldn't be much of a deterrent, would it? No, no, of course. But here's the thing now. Now, the, the, uh, the manual laborers are the ones who are actually running the whole show. They're running the hotels. They're running the, the haram. They're running everything. Now, if they're all going away, uh, the only incentive to, for them to stay is now increasing salaries. And if you're increasing the salaries, if hotels have to increase their salaries for the employers, what do they have to do? They're going to have to charge more uh, for hotel rooms. Mm. And when they do that, travel agents need to charge more for their packages. Mm. And... Of course, I, I, I'm hoping, by the way, that it doesn't affect other people around the world. And I'm hoping this is a very Western issue because uh, I haven't really looked into the cost of Hajj for people back home. But, you know, that's the one big reason, by the way, why Hajj is becoming so so expensive. Uh, but yeah, Ibrahim, do you... Uh, um, so let's speak about how uh, people from, let's say... So I was speaking to this Tunisian guy in our hotel and he said, I pay $15,000. To go to Hajj Are you serious? And So how uh, You know Like Tunisia Libya Egypt Mm. Algeria um, Most countries How their Hajj work Is that You put your name through a raffle So when you put your name through a raffle And your name gets chosen Okay you're going to Hajj However you need to pay This certain amount And the rest is on us the, the government Their government mm. Pays So For example Libya mm. The total uh, Cost of Hajj Is 38,000 Per Hajj Dollars Yeah mm. For one Hajj One Hajj um, However Libya They They tell the Hajj To pay 7,000 and, and the government Pays the rest well, Why is the cost 38,000 I don't understand That I don't know That's what the okay. Saudi government uh, told them like you need to do this and per Hajj you need to pay seven thousand and you guys pay the rest. Yeah. So I don't I don't know exactly exactly how it works. I don't think that makes sense. So actually we have it a lot cheaper then compared to that. Then. Yeah, yeah. And by oh the way, you know, days. you know, uh, Saudis, mm. they pay more than us 
to go to Hajj, even though they're from there. They need, they Somebody was telling me that they've started internal um, uh, Hajj groups for residents, for mm-hmm. Saudi yeah. residents. Yeah. Whereas before it was like, you know, Saudi just pack your bags for Hajj. Whereas now you have to actually apply, um, be given specific numbers, be even like responsible, be yes. treated like those traveling into Saudi. But how, yeah. but how does that cost more than, like, let's say, 6,000, 5,000 pounds if, if you live there? Licenses and fees. Because uh, the Saudis that go to Hajj, mm. they have the best services, best everything. Like five star tents. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Saudis. Everything. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so, and like even the, the location, mm-hmm. the where the tent is located, is close to the Jamarat, mm-hmm. where you throw the stones. Yeah. It's literally like a five minute walk, ten minute walk, mm-hmm. and you're there. Whereas us from the west, UK, America, let's say, yeah, um, they put us quite far, so we have to walk at least an hour minutes, and a half, so maybe. Yeah. I think kind of trying to become a bit more practical uh, uh, about the subject. Uh, my experiences, by the way, uh, our packages have always been economy, uh, as I think I mentioned this earlier on. And um, this year, uh, when I went on Hatch, uh, when I saw the, f- the five-star tents for, U- for the UK, uh, I wasn't shocked at all compared to how shocked I was in 2012 and 2017 so those are the three years I've been uh, Hajj. when I was in 2012 and 2017 I was shocked because of the fact that the five star packages were really amazing in the sense that you know the, the tents that you get AC tents uh, the mattresses are very thick and actually comfortable um, you know this that whatever or not but then uh, you know the, the fact that there are juice uh, those 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 boxes with juices and everything, because yeah. uh, they weren't there back. By the way, for the uh, co- oh, co- that co- co- no right, back, okay. back 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 in the days basically. Yeah. So oh, right. in 2012 and 2017 they weren't. Well, 2017 they were, but in 2017, okay. uh, 2012 they weren't. But now the you know uh, this year when I went, uh, the disparity between economy and uh, and five star is very close. That I didn't see the need. And this is one practical advice I'm probably going to give to to, uh, to a lot of the people, which is that I know you guys, you know, people want to be comfortable in Hajj. I know people want, I get that because you're traveling all the way and you want to make sure that you're in the best physical condition. Uh, so I kind of can understand why you why you would want to pay more to live in a better place. Mm. But when it comes to the the actual condition of the tents, it's very very similar, uh, and it's just not worth worth paying the extra. Just Especially if you're staying for like three days. Exactly, like the, the, alhamdulillah, the mattresses that we had, but almost uh, it was the same. Yeah, you're sleepable. Uh, like, it's, sleepable. It's it's very very uh, it's, it's it's sleepable. It's comfortable. Uh, even the uh, the tents, uh, so the, the mattresses in Arafat, which you could basically take with you to to, to Muzalifa, uh, they were quite nice and soft. Uh, everything was, you know, uh, of course we you know, we didn't have ACs, but we had coolers, which kept you cool enough. Um, uh, so I did not we had, we had urns everywhere So we had tea and coffee And everything We had you know, the boxes everywhere with, with juices and water And whatever whatnot. We literally had uh, Almost everything That uh, five cell packages Would have How was it like Before then Like in So before Before yeah For example In, in 2012 when I went, And even 2017 We didn't have uh, coolers. We, We'd always bring Our own fans From uh, uh, From Mecca To, okay. to Mina um, so we we'd have to go on the on the on the seventh or the sixth of the Hijjah to our tents, just prepare everything, yeah. putting the sound systems and, and and the fans and whatever whatnot. Uh, there was there would just be water, no no juices and no tea, coffee, this that. The mattresses would be thin mattresses; they wouldn't be the thick ones where uh, you know that you have now. Mm. And of course, uh, even the Saudis, mashallah, they they know something about hygiene now. 
so the, they're now giving goodie bags uh, that you oh, guys yeah, received. Yeah. The best thing ever, by the way. I loved it so much. I, mm. I actually have, I, I kept the toothpaste. I've, I've brought it with me here in the UK. You kept the toothpaste? <laughs> no, because basically it's like a little uh, toiletry, kit, toiletry yeah, bag, yeah, yeah. which is so cute, um, mm. which you didn't get before. It was like a gift from the Motawaf, right? Exactly, yeah. It was so nice. Anywho, um, so that's one thing. Uh, personally, I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, I don't see the, 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 the point. Other than the only benefit I saw, and even then I'd counter it, by saying the only benefit that I saw from the five star packages is that you get to stay close to the haram, that you stay in a hotel that's close to the haram, which is yeah I agree it's fantastic, uh, because it just means that you know rather than taking a taxi which can get expensive, which is expensive by the way around the day, uh, days of Hajj and that's actually maybe another uh, topic for another day. Uh, just to add to what you said, um, so initially when we went, um, I encouraged my father to go for the other package that was slightly more expensive, but then he convinced me no it's fine they're all the same whatever and I'm glad I went with the. Um, slightly cheaper package because I think had I been close to the haram I would have been like oh praise Allah I'm tired I'm going to go back up mm. and constantly be going back and forth whereas being further away it forced me to actually stay exactly because the shuttle timing was a specific timing so in essence actually did work out because I was able to be like right okay more tawaf more ibadah more dua so it, it forced you to stay in the haram and wait between salahs which I greatly appreciated <laughs> so uh, alhamdulillah yeah and did you know good. um for example, you're going for Dhuhr Salah and your your hotel is in the clock tower and let's say you're on the 40th floor. For you to get down, it will take you around an hour. What? Around really? an hour. From the 40th floor to go, even though your ha- your hotel is just like near the Haram, like as soon as you walk out, two minute walk, uh, it takes you around 45 minutes just for the lift to why, come to you. Why is that? Is it there's, there's, different lifts. Every floor. there's different lifts. There's different lifts and like a lot of people are going up and down, up yeah. and down. Mm-hmm. So okay. even after uh, Salah and you're going stairs? back to your hotel, the stairs, yes, some people do take stairs, but let's say if your, your room's <laughs> are, your room's, Some people do take stairs, yeah. <laughs> let's, say, let's say your room's on the 30th floor, 50th floor. Mm. Are you going to take mean, stairs from then? So some people, and I tried it, I went to visit a friend, uh, he went with the dorm tours this year and after Salah, he said, he said, come, I want to show you my room and everything. I was like, okay. So after Salah, we came. And I'm telling you, we were waiting for the lift 40 minutes. Mm. I swear to God. But when you got in the lift, how long did it take to get up? And yeah. That, uh, it stopped every single... It stops at pretty Every much. floor, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, that's, so that'd that's be annoying, bit, bro. And the, the, other, the other benefit as well, by the way, of staying mm. in Azizia, for example. And uh, So our hotel in, in... I've got a feeling you're just plugging your, your company now, isn't it? I think it's a competition between me and Ibrahim. Oh. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. No, so like uh, my first Hajj, we stayed in, uh, in Mecca, a 10-minute walk from the Haram. And uh, the next two Hajjs was in Azizia. And uh, the walk that you have, so just to kind of uh, make people aware, uh, during the days of Hajj, uh, you know... Uh, there are no public transport uh, or no private no private vehicles allowed in Mina, so they can only drop you off to uh, the the borders of Mina, yeah. and of course your tents are in quite in deep into Mina. Mm-hmm. So the and the Jamarat also at the end of uh, towards next to Azizia. Now on the on, on the day uh, on the tenth day you walk. Some people walk straight from Muzalifa to the Jamarat, which is about a two hour walk uh, or two and a half hour walk, mm-hmm. or some people just wait for the buses to get to the ta- tents. And then you can walk from the tents, which is about an hour, 45 minute walk or an, uh, or an hour and a half walk to uh, the, the Jamarat. And uh, then you have to walk further on towards Mecca. And uh, if, you're gonna, if you're staying next to the Haram, 
you're either going to have to take a, a taxi which will cost a ridiculous amount of money mm-hmm. or you actually be prepared to walk and people do walk by the way mm-hmm. and it's a long long walk and then you have to also walk back to Mina because you have to get you have to get to Mina before Fajr mm-hmm. uh, or as in before the last third of the night uh, to, to complete the, the stay in Mina so that day you have to do an intense amount of walking I remember in 2012 when I came back to Mina that night my legs were gone it was the most amount of walking I've ever done and I just completely collapsed Having said that, when I went to, uh, you know, the second time and third time we've been to Hajj, uh, we were staying in Azizia. Because the hotels were right next to the Mina, uh, right next to the Mina, like it takes you 10 minutes from the Jamarat to get to your hotel. You can rest in your hotel, relax, wait for Qurbani and whatever or not, uh, exit your ihram, mm-hmm. take your time, go to uh, the Haram. Uh, again, uh, you have to take a taxi and the one day you have to take the L and uh, yeah. getting bumped by the taxi drivers. And then uh, come back to your hotel, relax a bit more, get you know, take some more stuff with you. That's the other thing, like packing as well. When you, you, when you go to Mina, you want to be light. With Azizia, you can definitely be light because you, you, you don't need to take any, anything with you. I feel like though I'm a, I'm a brief or something just before we were to set off in the plane. <laughs> if, okay, I want to make sure I'm not giving you too just, much information. Nah, just, uh, just sum it up. If, if you were to give one piece of advice to a person who has never been to Hajj and who is not scared but he's a, he's a bit kind of um, anxious about the about about the journey because he's never done it before and he's and, and it's something new to him what, what and her um, what would you what what piece of advice would you give Abdusami start with Abdusami I'm going to start with the guests so I'll start with you because you've been talking a lot when you get out of the way go on <laughs> that's the reason why I, I want to drink some water right now man because I'm, well, I'm you've got any water here no I don't okay. it's very Manchester there's no water and we don't have water there's a water fountain downstairs <laughs> <laughs> one piece of advice um Keep it simple uh, and preparation. Mm. So keep it simple in the sense that have some sabr in, 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 in for, for the smallest things mm. that, or the things that you might perceive as smaller. Uh, don't ask for too much. You know, uh, you know. Otherwise, you'll just you know uh, your expectations will just drop. Just have the lows of expectations, and inshallah, you know, whatever you'll get will just be, be will just be better. Mm. And uh, you know uh, everything and every single opportunity. Just be alhamdulillah for the fact that you're there in the first place. So even if the transport takes two hours, as in buses for uh, for Arafat takes two hours, alhamdulillah, you'll just be simple and uh, don't expect too much. And second thing, like I said, would be just uh, be prepared. I could not I could not emphasize the importance of being prepared. This one person was telling me that look, I don't have time to prepare. I've got two full time, uh, one full time job and one part part time job. I don't have time. And it's like people expect that you know, when you go on Hajj, you know, you'll just be there and then it will just happen. Yeah. But that's not the case at all. It's the same thing for any ibadah that you have. Ramadan, the Sahabas would prepare six months beforehand. The, the, the lives would be, you know, six months before Ramadan, I'm going to prepare for Ramadan. The next six months after Ramadan, mm-hmm. I'm missing Ramadan. Yeah. Uh, and like that with Hajj, you have to prepare uh, beforehand. Um, yes, I can't stress um, stress the importance of preparing. Um, I think even though if you're busy... Were you prepared? Yes, I know. I had books which I made use of reading when I was on the plane, which mm. helped. Uh, and I had my father, my, my dad with me, who's, who's quite learned. So every question, opportunity that I had, I'd be like, right, what's this? What mm. do I do here? What, what if this happens? You'd be like, these are all hypothetical situations. They're not going to happen. <laughs> um, but I think, get yourself like a good book. There was a good book that a friend gave me, which I can't remember the author of the book, but it was like making the most out of Hajj. And um, the author, they did a really good job of like listing out all the faraid, like all the obligations, uh, all the tips and tricks. Like, for example, to go to the toilets. If you wanted to use the toilets in Mina, go when everybody's eating because the queues would be left. 
success. Um, so definitely take a book with you. For the girls who will be, tra- for the listeners, the ladies who will be traveling, pack light. I, my suitcase was full of things I didn't even use. I packed like four abayas and I only wore two. So um, definitely pack lightly. And another gold advice is um, don't be too worried if you find yourself alone sort of going to the haram. Because the whole idea is you're here to reconnect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're here to worship and make the I most out the, of that. I think a lot of... In recent times, especially, we've had this kind of um, we've we put a tremendous amount of importance on going to the masjid with people. We've turned okay. the masjid into kind of a social environment, um, okay. and we kind of divorced it from the aspect of kind of like you know, it's kind of introspective, you know, esoteric if you want to call it Fair an enough. esoteric relationship with Allah. Yeah. Um, and I think um, with the haram, mm. you said going by yourself to the haram. Yeah, um, don't don't be too afraid of it. Because I think, like you mentioned earlier, I think when you're in a new place where perhaps the language that they speak is not your first language or you have no understanding of it and there's lots of new people, there is that initial fear, which is understandable. But I think to get over that and think, you know what, I'm just here to worship Allah, I don't care about anybody else. Well, obviously you do. Mm. I think for me that really helped. Because when you go with people, yes, it's great, but you end up chatting. And yeah. you lose you lose the purpose of why you're there. So um, for the, for the for the for the people who are traveling, if if you get that moment to be by yourself or to go and spend haram by yourself, will I go for it? That was actually a very. Uh, we, we had a thing with us. Uh, one of the sheikh from from Bradford, uh, Ahmad Ali, mm-hmm. and he gave us uh, a lot of the uh, Bradford community. We know who he is, mashallah, um, mm-hmm. quite known. Anywho, um, so he gave he gave that advice. He's like, when I when I go on Hajj, I make sure that I go on a package where where nobody knows me. Uh, good idea. <laughs> so that's a very good idea. Although he has been with us for quite a, quite a while, so I don't think he doesn't know anyone. I think he knows a lot of people mm. in the group. That's quite ironic. But having said that, yeah, literally, that's a siren. That's Bro, a siren. the listeners have heard the same siren going no, that was five a, times. That was a door. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I could not yeah, stress definitely. that. Yeah, definitely. Don't important. don't be like me. I'm always I always go with the guys with me, and like I'm telling them, yo. Let's go eat this and that. No, no, so, but that's good. You need to socialize. Mm. But I think you need to have a good balance of socializing and as well as having like individual ibadas. Yeah. What the, would, uh, what definitely would, don't be a loner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what would your tip be? Um, so it would be a mixture of both what uh, Sister Chowhira said and Absamiya. But um, I'll just add one thing. Those that are booking with travel agencies, uh, make sure that they have two things. Uh, one is an IATA, and this is like a, uh, a license that every travel agency should have. Uh, is that like a, like a certificate to say the authentic? Yeah, there is. There yeah, is. it's like a certificate, yeah. And they would, if anything, after you book with them, they will provide the certificate mm-hmm. as a copy mm-hmm. for you know the customer. And the other thing is that make sure that they're certified by the Hajj Ministry. Mm-hmm. That these guys like... Yes, it's a legit company and, you know, like, um, you should go with them or something to show. To, to add on to that as well, I think, um, also at all is important. So just kind of, IATA is like a, uh, it's, a licensing, it's a licensing company, but mainly uh, they're used to access uh, airlines or have access to airlines. Um, so most travel agents, but not all of them, have IATAs. But what all travel agents do have is Atoll. Atoll is basically the, the insurance thing, that bond that uh, ensures that no matter what happens, if, as in if a natural disaster happens or if an airline was to go bust, then whoever needs to be reimbursed for, Atoll will cover it. 
so if it's the agent that loses out or if it's the passenger that loses out basically so every single travel agent needs to have an atoll and you'll see this basically in most travel agents include it in the in the posters so look out for that little circle with the white background in what looks like a moon mm-hmm. uh, when i first saw an at- uh, atoll logo i thought it was um a muslim a muslimic company but yeah mm-hmm. um, okay what was the point that you said uh, you were going to mention the uh which one improvising um, when you're in Mila. Oh, improvising yeah another yeah. thing which uh, i was just discussing that uh, as uh, sister Joella mentioned about uh toilets being very uh, occupied in Mina especially you know be creative uh, dig a hole <laughs> no 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 so especially like for example for fajri yeah, like this would be a nightmare because your only other option would be to wake up early early so you can use the bathrooms to do all the work or not or use your instincts there's a bottle of water that's available literally just outside your tent get that bottle and just do all the in, in the corner so that you know the water will dry up the water will dry up within mm. 10 minutes or within 5 minutes so mm. don't worry about leaving a mess because you won't because the water will evaporate mm. and just you know uh, try and yeah. find ways to cut cues basically in that sense yeah something else I would add as well um, uh, eat less and you know I mean I'm not saying don't eat the food that the company is going to provide you but I mean try to don't eat a lot of fibers and you know you mentioned that you only eat dates and don't yeah I mean, uh, like because those like toilets those toilets are nasty mm. yeah. Yeah. just to add yeah, if you don't mind just final um what brother Ibrahim mentioned about eating what we realized was there was because obviously food is provided constantly throughout the day um and you won't be able to consume all the food because the quantity is just so large so what we did was what some of the ladies or their husbands found is there are other camps who perhaps weren't as well off as perhaps we were so they didn't really have much food so what they did was they round up all the food that wasn't used up that was fresh and took like a massive wheelbarrow and they just wheelbarrowed it around to the Mm. other other camp where they were fighting for the fighting but they were queuing long queues for just to get like yeah. uh, you know a plate of rice or something so if, if you are tour operators or mm. you are uh, travelling if just to bear that in mind just yeah. to reduce waste I think that was quite good yeah actually uh, on, on that point by the, by the way as well even as a passenger by the way feel free to also assist uh, take the initiative on certain things yeah. uh, a lot of the times uh, travel agents are basically family businesses and uh, limited because you could only have a certain number of brothers and sisters uh, so you don't have enough manpower mm. and uh, people would appreciate uh, uh, this kind of help uh, I, I I used to love it whenever I'd find someone who could help me out and um, yeah pretty much it um, another thing from me uh, um, I would say I mean there's around 3 million people in a one tiny space so just try being be patient while performing Hajj and don't let your anger uh, control you. Have you ever witnessed any fights? Yes. Uh, yes. Like fist, like full yes. blow-ups. Yeah. Yes. This, this year? I, uh, not, not this year, but... I saw one this year, as in, uh, it was through Instagram stories. Um, okay. Oh, I mean like oh, live. Yeah. I mean like live. No, 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 no. As in, uh, it, was, it was a friend of mine at Dome Tours, he saw another fist fight happening somewhere else. Mm. Oh, goodness. Um, but yeah, it's a very important thing. Do mm. not, whatever you do, do not break it. You're, you're in state of ihram. Mm. 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 People don't. Uh, I don't want to kind of. I know. Sorry, listeners, you've been listening for a long time, but the whole point of an ihram, uh, you know, the word itself, it's about being sacred. It's a sacred state. It's something which is, uh, you know, there's a sanctity around it. Now, you're not gonna. You know, when you're fasting and you do uh, bad deeds, you'd feel ridiculously guilty. Think about if you're in a state of ihram, in a state of uh, being, you know, uh, of sanctity, in a place of sanctity. Mm. Think about you know uh, you know doing something haram. Then think about mm. you know you're, you're, you're losing your anger is a huge thing. Yeah. And on uh, that note, I think we 
we can wrap it up nice and tight because we've been talking for I think this is the longest podcast we've ever done I think oh, so yeah uh, but yeah just like usually, usually people are not that interesting so we just cut you off straight away yeah. but um <laughs> Jazakal khair for Ibrahim and uh, Sister Jawaria and uh, Abdul Sami and congratulations Jawaria and Abdul Sami on your recent Hajj. May Allah accept you from you. I mean, and Ibrahim. Did you go this way as well? Yeah, yeah. All oh, right, sorry. And, and, and Ibrahim as well. And uh, inshallah, yeah. we all get to go every year. Inshallah. Inshallah. Well, yeah, that's every they, Muslim, inshallah. That's, that's if you could afford the tax. But um, uh, if, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on the Middle West PC on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, the company name Khalil yeah so the company name is uh, Al Khalil Hajj Toz um, so from 2014 we only been Hajj but inshallah well the company has been established in 2008 mm. uh, so we've been doing Hajj and Umrah mm. but then 2014 it's just been Hajj but inshallah this Christmas inshallah we'll be plan- planning to do Umrah so thank god you said that <laughs> So any Palestine tours coming up soon? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, inshallah, we're we're thinking of uh, doing something very big. Travel, very very big. anything in Bethlehem? Bethlehem, uh, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> we're gonna call it halal holidays, inshallah. Halal. Yeah. Oh, but, uh, uh, there's something like that now, though, isn't there? Yeah. Where they have, but the thing is, that's a very niche market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, on top, yeah. Phone number is zero seven eight one eight. Four four seven one eight zero. He knows about heart. Wow, yes, yeah. Uh, or your father's number. <laughs> <laughs> or you can. Ju- uh, oh, is yeah. the company's number your dad's number? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, telephone. Now everyone knows house address. Oh. The house. Landline. <laughs> 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 one, one, one last thing is, I told the viewers the words "assess" and "mutawif." We actually didn't talk about them in that much depth, but the reason why is because I want to give a last shout out to one more kind of person or people. Mm. Um, so. You have the Ministry of Hajj, the Wazarat al-Hajj, uh, al-Umrah, it's the same department. And uh, underneath that, you have the Mu'assasa, which is like the institution. Uh, and they are the institutions that are rep- uh, responsible, are representing the different regions across the earth. So you have uh, a Mu'assasa for Southeast Asia. You have a Mu'assasa that's alone for Egypt because of how big they are. You have a Mu'assasa that's for Turkey, Europe, uh, Australia and America. That's the ones that we, we fall under. Now underneath that Mu'assasa, you have the Mutawif. And they all have an office number because they all have the offices, and every single agent is assigned to a uh, a, a mutawif. Uh, so, for example, I think your office number was what was it? Thirty seven. Thirty seven. Our office number was forty six. So this is like an individual man, and he is the mutawif. Mm-hmm. So he is the one who responsible uh, is responsible for uh, from the government side for our affairs. So mm-hmm. we complain to him or we go to him for everything. And the mutawifs are usually all makkan. And these guys have been amazingly, you know, they've been hosting Hujjaj for uh, decades and centuries. Mm. And lastly, these guys need to be, you know, they deserve a huge shout out. Whoever they were, every, every single Matawif, mm. make dua for them because they do an incredible job trying to, trying to host us. Yep. Uh, and these are genuine Makkans who are, who are trying to make the, you know, to do their best to, mm. to be hospitable and to accommodate for, for Hujjaj. And mm-hmm. uh, I know my Matawif has been, he was, he's, he's, been amazing and uh, a lot of the mutawifs have been doing an incredible job yeah, yeah. so please do make people uh, dua for the people of Mecca inshallah and a huge shout out to the security forces as well soldiers yes absolutely um, inshallah these guys uh, you know they work really hard really really hard yeah. and I mean the way they splash the water at you whilst you're yes. walking and, Oy, yes, and yes I mean the way they treat you and I mean there's a story um 
I seen a video of some guy, a woman gave him money because he was treating her very well, a soldier. And the soldier refused to take the money. So then, inshallah, he was, he was, uh, he was awarded by one of the, uh, I don't know, some guy from the government awarded him, you know, and mm. thanked him for this. Well, some, guy, some kind of medal or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, that bombshell. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time for some amazing content and some amazing guests. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.